Welcome back to the Soul Back R&B Podcast. This is your host, Kyle. I've got Ed with me. Ed, where is Tom today? Tom, Tom, Tom. Listen, we told him that we had this podcast going. We had our time set like we do every week. We called up Tom. He was mumbling something about baked chicken, and that's the last thing I heard about him. I think he's up headed your way, looking for some elusive maple syrup oven-baked chicken, actually. This is actually true. He's actually, I think he's in Canada right now. He's on a road trip with his family. So he won't be joining us on the podcast, but we have a real special treat today. Um, can we give some life advice to people? I know you do your, your your love letters, but I have some advice from someone special as well, and I think it would be very important to share this with our listeners. Mm-hmm. So one popular rapper named Soja Boy said on Twitter, In this world, you either crank that Soja Boy or it cranks you. Such words, such words of wisdom from a man who looks like he hasn't mastered brushing his teeth yet. This is who we look to for our advice player. Well, I thought that was pretty clever of him. Shout out to Soldier Boy. Uh, I'll never uh, can shout we get out into- Soldier Boy. All right, all right. Can we uh, get into this R and B thing that we like talking about? A lot of good music that came out, or I want—I don't want to say good yet because that's completely subjective, and we'll see. How I was you feel about. After the- <laughs> I was about to well, cut in there, player. Let's just see how you feel after I talk to you about these songs and you're able to give your thoughts on it but let's start off ed can i just say one thing before we start off do that i admit it (laughs) i hope you are admitting it like a certain someone we know well i was gonna admit it for the next 19 minutes but r kelly stole that idea he released a 19 minute record called i admit it where he admits to everything from you know, being hated on, to being the most underrated, to being super talented. Ed, what did you think of the song? Oh my goodness. First of all, let's rewind the clock. When that I Admit song dropped, I almost called you up and was like, player, we need an emergency podcast because we got a lot to discuss in these 20 minutes. And it's funny, it's funny to me because while most of y'all just skim Twitter comments, to figure out what songs are actually about these days. I was the one who sat through all 20 minutes of it. And it shouldn't be a shock. I sat through that three hour Cousin Chris Brown album. I can sit through a 20 minute R. Kelly song. And I was seeing all these tweets saying like. Oh he admitted sexual um, relations with children. And I'm like you obviously didn't listen to the song. My beef with this song. Is that it's called I Admit. But you didn't really admit anything. If you listen to it. I mean, now he admitted that he can't spell. He admitted he can't read. He admitted that he's broke. He admitted that, like, a lot of parents are saying that he's a pedophile, but they're actually shoving their kids in his face. So he admits that they're trying to put them in compromising positions, which is almost a weird admission of guilt if you think about it. But he doesn't really give anything that controversial. It's just a bunch of clickbaity kind of goofy stuff where it's like, I don't own my songs. Well, I kind of didn't think he did anyway, because most of those 90 artists don't own their music. It's not that big of a shock. So the admitting part was just kind of like, eh, okay, you can't read. All right, good luck with that. But the actual things that we want to hear him admit, 
Yes, Aaliyah's name was brought up, but he didn't admit anything to that. When asked if he had sex with little girls, he basically said, I have sex with old women and young women. So he didn't admit anything there. All of the actual juicy bits that people were wanting, I didn't hear any admission of any of that. It's just an example of him doing his trapped in the closet type stuff. He's just rambling on, giving his point of view about stuff. And I I mean, I applaud him for being honest. He didn't have to tell us that he can't even read the lyrics to his own songs. Can you imagine, Tom, you come out with an album and you look on the back of the credits and you're like, I don't know what this said. I just hope they spell everybody's name right. That's right. where we are with poor R. Kelly. So, player, we can talk about how brave he was. That's what the R. Kelly fans can say. And the people that hate him can say, oh, he was so stupid that he dry snitched on himself. He didn't because he didn't really say anything. But I'll be the one to tell you that as much hype as this song got, it didn't really move me because nothing was really shared. The only thing I learned is that he was broke. Well, Ed, when I listened to the record, it was funny. I listened to the first, I think it was like three or four minutes into it. And I mean, it wasn't necessarily a bad like a horrible song i think r kelly is a genius so melody wise lyrically he's he's gonna be pretty good with that i think the problem was after four minutes went by there was like this brief silent in the song so i thought it was over and then the piano kicked right back up and it went on for like another (laughs) 16 minutes and i was like wait a minute um so the song itself sonically i didn't really have a problem with it but isn't it like the most R. Kelly thing ever to do to create a 19-minute song to address his haters? Look, play. I know you said sonically that you're cool with the song. Actually, I think that the song structured as a song is garbage. I think it's sonically it wasn't even that great. It's just a rant with a beat on the background. And we can call him a genius. And yes, I do think R. Kelly is a genius. I also think he's a disgusting human being. And sorry, Twitter. Y'all, you can be both. Yeah, I can say you're a genius and a monster. And I do think that he's both. However, I don't know, Blair. This just seems like this is yet another of his trapped-in-the-closet type songs. He does it well. It's entertaining. It's good to hear one time. I never want to hear it again. So yeah. <laughs> good for you for rhyming every word at the end of the bar. But eh, I just wasn't moved by it like everybody else was. I know that they... Y'all were breaking your fingers with your think pieces on it, but it just didn't do anything for me. And it didn't clear anything up. It just gave us a couple of memes for the day, and that's it. Right. And you know what? The record is totally intentional from a marketing standpoint, too. Naming it, I admit it. Putting it out the way that it was put out, like, he was back in the headlines. So this was definitely an intentional move by him. Of course it is. Don't be surprised if Black Panties 2 or whatever drops in the next couple weeks because this is an opportunity to get his name in the headlines, share his part of the story. And from his part, from his perspective, I ain't mad. It's a very brilliant thing to do. If you feel like your name is not being told in a um, correct light and your story isn't being told, it's up to you to tell it. So I'm not mad at him for doing it. I just wish that he actually told it for real. And not just gave us, he'd be like, hey, Tom, tell me what's the name of your favorite movie. And Tom says, I really like green beans. Like, okay, that's nice, but that ain't what I asked you. So I just feel like we didn't get the answers we deserved. And it was just R. Kelly being R. Kelly. But hey, we're talking about him and we wouldn't be talking about him this week without that. 
Uh, we might be talking about R. Kelly if he wasn't mentioned. Uh, if it was Kelly. Usher, we'd be talking about him. Oh, we'll get into Usher later. I'm just kidding. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> Can I admit one thing before we move on to the next topic? Since we're on the sure. uh, topic of uh, admitting things. Do I, uh, I, I caved in and I had red meat. So I'm just as guilty as R. Kelly. <laughs> Player, didn't have you been on this for like two weeks? You already caved in. Them burgers look good. I had to get one. Oh my gosh! Where's the willpower, dog? Oh, uh, there is done. <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> we will uh, we'll get that going again sooner or later. Um, I got another project I want to talk to you about, Ed. This has received more hype than a lot in recent times. Queen Nija. Your kids love Queen Nigel, and she's been popping on YouTube for a minute now. She finally dropped her EP, and um, man, did you get a chance to listen yet? I did not, and as we talked about on a previous podcast, the kids in my youth group that I manage, um, they were talking about, because of course they know I'm a music guy, and they always come to me, Mr. Edward, I got this new song, you're probably going to hate it, but I'm going to tell you about it, tell me what you think, and nine times out of ten, I'm going to say I hate it, especially if it features Offset or somebody, but... Um, they told me about this young lady. I went to YouTube, listened to the video, watched the video, and I like this song is pretty decent. So it does surprise me that this EP would be pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, Ed, this is interesting because, well, first of all, I listened to the EP and I actually enjoyed it. It wasn't as groundbreaking as some other debut EPs in recent memory. Like hers EP, I think, still stands as one of the best I've heard in a while. But this one was a very mm-hmm. solid listen. It's very reminiscent of 90s R&B, just melodically and the way she sounds on it. Because truthfully, when I heard about this Queen Nigel artist at first, and knowing that she was like this viral sensation, I'm like, she probably can't even sing. But after listening to the music, she's actually, I would consider her a legitimate artist. And, um, you know, I, I spent some time looking at her background and seeing what she's all about so through the interviews i kind of realized she had been in a public uh relationship more 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 so online so people like us don't really know about it but um the breakup and everything it was all publicized online so when she's making this music and a lot of it was breakup related it kind of like related to a lot of people because they all understood what she was going through and that to me was such a perfect way to market her music and it seems like it's paying off now Mm-hmm. And, so. and let me go back a little bit because um, I know some people on the podcast are going to hear your earlier statement where it's kind of like, you know, she was a viral sensation and you were like, oh, she probably can't even sing. Let me tell you why that's not a, a thought that you're not just casting her aside because of that. And there's actually precedence for this. We are in an era where and it, and I'll go back to my youth group. We are in an era where we celebrate the artist before we celebrate the artistry. I mean yep. that by saying that you will get famous because you're you. The fact that you can sing or you're talented that's secondary. Before we um started recording, we were talking about that moronic Takashi Six Nine piece of guard. Talking about R. Kelly, he's just as bad, but. Don't get me started on that. That's another conversation. Go see me at E.T. Bowser on Twitter and call me all kind of names for dissing that human skittle. Anyway, he is a horrible human being. And the only reason that he has a career is because he says controversial stuff online. That's how they get their fame. 
So a lot of times when you hear these artists that create audiences from social media before they even give us music, you have every right to be skeptical. So you had every right to be skeptical about her. But the thing is, she was able to give you a quality product, even though she made her name virally. So again, I'm not mad at viral. She went viral. Her, the artist, her went viral. A lot of these people are catching on because this is the way we promote. But you've got to have some substantial music behind it. Sounds like the Queen actually got some stuff. I hope to listen to her um, EP pretty soon. Yeah, the record Butterflies was the one that stood out to me. But Ed, I saw a very interesting comment from one of the younger fans on Twitter who mentioned that um, she could potentially be this generation's Mary J. Blige. And I know that sounds crazy as I say that to you right now, but let's think about this for a second. Obviously, we're not the Queen's demographic so we can't really relate to anything she's going through and you got to think when mary was going through her stuff back in the day it was publicized in a whole different type of way with different media social media didn't exist back then so with social media being a whole different thing now i'm pretty sure there's little kids out there that look up to queen nija and feel what she's going through with her breakup records so yeah is that statement really that crazy it's not at all crazy. Again, old heads like me will hear that and immediately scoff. Because it's like, how dare? She got one song out. She couldn't be as good as Mary J. And we're not saying that. But we're saying that she has the potential if... And again, I'm just... I haven't, have not heard the EP. All I've heard is literally one song from her, which I thought was pretty solid. But if she is telling her story and being... If the breakups music that she's creating is going to influence another generation... That's exactly what Mary J did for my generation and Keisha Cole did for the generation after that. So it's not that hard of a comparison to make. Now we'll have to see if the music endures. That was Keisha's problem. She started strong but fizzled out pretty quick. The music endures? Might be true. Yep, pretty much. Ed, it's interesting because you know earlier in the podcast we were talking about fans loving the artists before they love the art or the artist's work. Um, with artists like Cardi B and now Queen Nigel, who I think if you have any, uh, if you follow the, their career at any point, you kind of know their story and they're very public with it. And this sort of seems to be the new route that artists are taking to relate to their fans. You compare this to what Beyonce and Jay-Z are doing, extremely private, never really talk about their life aside from the music. Do you think we're in that era where it's about the personality? Like, is this detrimental to an artist like Beyonce who's been extremely quiet and private? I think that it's part of the era and it's part of the era as far as pop culture and culturally. Social media runs everything. And as part of that, social media is like an open book into everyone's lives. The funny thing is social media doesn't have to be that, but that's how people use it. They use it as their personal diaries. We see everything you're eating. We see every time you go somewhere. Kyle was just like, oh, you were at a camp with a bunch of kids last weekend. Why? Because I posted pictures on social media. I didn't tell him that. He just knew. And we are, our lives are very open. Therefore, a lot of the artists that we're seeing from this generation are reflecting that. And because it's 2018, the way to get followers is to be funny and to be engaging and to be way over the top. So these artists are like being way over the top, sharing all of their lives. You fall in love with the artist, 
before you actually hear any of their stuff. And even if you hear stuff and it's garbage, you're not going to be like, because you feel so connected to the to that artist. Almost like a family member. If your family, if your little brother draws a garbage looking thing and your mom sees it, she's like, oh, that's so cute. I'm going to put it on the refrigerator. If I come to your parents' house, I'm going to be like, that picture ugly. But it means so much to you because it was done by someone you love. The same way with Cardi and these guys putting out uh, music, but because you love them, you defend it. So we're going to see more of that. And some artists like a B and a J who have been traditionally private, you're going to see them open up a little bit more. And that's why you see a lot of these veteran artists going on, creating reality shows like Mariah did. You got Jay and Beyonce kind of opening up about their relationships on these more recent albums. In order to keep up and to be relevant, you got to do what everybody else is doing. And that means taking the cover off of things. And I mean, honestly, that's what R. Kelly is doing. We just talked about him. He's talking. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he just stopped reading. Clearly, he couldn't read back when he was doing 12 play. But the thing is, this is a time to be open and this is the era. So we're all being open and telling all our business. Just like Kyle couldn't stop eating red meat for two days. And he just snitched on himself. <laughs> On the podcast. Say, well, you got to do it. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I was watching an interview that Beyonce did probably during the B-Day era. And that was a time when she was actually doing interviews. And it's like, we don't actually get to see that side of her anymore. And even now, like, they've opened up, but they keep talking about their relationship. And at this point, I don't think anyone cares about it. So it'll be interesting to see if they open up with, you know, in regards to their personality so that we get to know them a little more. Um, just with who they are as opposed to just that dreaded relationship that they've been talking about for like four years now. It's I think we will. <laughs> it's too much. But I think with Bees in her case, she was very self-conscious about how she sounded in interviews and a lot, and that's why she was always kind of guarded. And I think now that she has more control over the environment and the medium, I think yep. you'll hear a little bit of that more. But you know, those early first couple albums with her, oh, she going 106 in park and just those interviews were rough because you just mm-hmm. you could tell she was so self conscious. Yep. Um, I want to talk about a new record. Um, I don't even know if this deserves to. You know, the music video might actually get a play a please award later on today, but Faith Evans and Stevie J released their oh, single, and that was a very sexy music video. Um, you gross human being, sexy. Oh, listen, everyone knows that I am a huge Faith Evans fan. I love her to death. One of my favorite artists of all time. And that woman is fine. But to see her in that video with that Muppet looking plankton guy from Spongebob rolling all over each other, legs up in the air. He's grinding on her butt. I'm throwing up on my keyboard. Oh, my. Ugh. And the thing is this, this Stevie J looks like a wombat. We know this. But not only that, he's just a horrid human being. So to see someone you love all grinding up on some weirdo that you hate, it's just not a good look. And ugh. I love the song, though. The song is great. And allegedly they have an album coming out together. Yep. Um, and let's, let's, let's not discredit Stevie J. He's done so much wonderful work for R&B over the last 
Ooh, 25 years now, Stevie J. 20 Easily years? 25 years. One of my favorite 25. producers of all time. Yeah, no question. I will never discredit his work. He's great. But as a human being, he's a weirdo. And he's not my well. favorite person. <laughs> well, the song I thought was really cool, too. Like, production-wise, it kind of reminded me of, like, a Jodeci thing. And Stevie J came from that camp, so just vocally you could hear that he was heavily influenced by that. And the one thing I will say about that record, Ed, is... Finally, Faith Evans has a record where she doesn't sound like she recorded in Silk's um, studio. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking Explain to our listeners what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Because over the last couple of Faith Evans projects, I want to say ever since after... What was the album after The First Lady? Um... Something about Faith? Is that is that what it was? Yes, I was, I was like picturing her wearing a top hat, but yes. That's is that it. the one, is that the album with Snoop Dogg on it? I can't remember if that's the one, but I know something about Space is the one with her wearing a top hat. For okay. some reason, that well, just stands out in my brain. Well, ever since that album, which is, coincides with when she went independent, all mm-hmm. her songs, for some reason, sound like they were recorded from a trash can. The quality of those <laughs> vocals are air thin. And it's frustrated me for years because she's had some very solid songs on her albums. And I don't know who's mixing the records or where she's recording them uh, from. But there's been a lot of songs that I've had to delete off my playlist because they just sounded awful. And that trend continued even up until that Biggie duet album that she put out last year. But this record, I guess it was recorded at Stevie J's studio because it sounds like an actual recording and not... Someone that was just singing over an iPhone voice recorder. I know a lot of people will roll your eyes and be like, oh, you're being too picky. But when I do my reviews, sound quality is something that's a part of that. And if I'm listening to a song and it sounds like... Now, some fans might get this. Like, let's say there's a song you really want to hear. And it's not on Spotify or Tidal, however you listen to your music streaming. So you go to YouTube to listen to it. And it's some video that someone recorded in 1992, and the quality is terrible. And the sound sounds like someone yelling across the street, where you can sort of hear it, but not quite. When you hear that song, you're like, oh, this song is good, but it's almost distracting. And that's what we're saying here. When there's bad mixing or bad sound quality, the artist could sound impeccable. But it's really hard to get into the moment when the sound is weird. And... Some of those Faith albums really suffer from that. It doesn't annoy me as much as it annoys Tom, but I mean, not Tom, but Kyle, but it's definitely there. So I can't hate on my boy for that because I agree. But like my thing is this, Ed, like the artist has to be aware or I hope they're aware that the album sounds like that. Do they not? I'm sure they're listening to their album and they can hear it, can't they? That it sounds bad. I'm sure they do. Either they just tune it out. I don't know if it's yes me and saying, oh, it's good. Or maybe they just don't invest in... Again, we're talking about independent projects. They might not be investing in people who actually are well at um, skilled at cleaning up that stuff. And they say, oh, well, it sounds better than it did. Let's roll with it. I got a deadline to meet. And that, my friend, is why R&B is dead in 2018. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's more reasons than that. T-Pain's uh-huh. back. I can blame him again. All right, all right. Listen, Ed, you got called out by our boy Daniel Bamber, our uh, good friend who listens to the podcast every week. 
He called you out because he wants you to put some respect on T-Pain's name. Oh, really? What does young Daniel say that um, I did to discredit the good name of um, the robot known as T-Pain? Well, he says he's more talented than what you give him credit for, which I actually agree with. He is actually talented. He just chooses not to Listen, use his talent. Are you, if y'all bring up that tiny video, that tiny desk concert with him singing for real one more time, listen, I'm going to say it for the record. I know T-Pain can sing. That doesn't excuse him for the past 15 years sounding like a hot garbage. It sounds like a raccoon fighting each other in a trash can. Every album that drops. Okay, you sound good singing for real. Sing for real on something else. Stop encouraging the world that auto-tune is all you need to put out a record. Stop with these ridiculous, goofy lyrics. And ugh. Player, I still think that when you talk about who killed R&B, you can't blame it on one person. But if you're playing the game of Clue, I'm looking for T-Pain with the candlestick in the um, laundry room. <laughs> and the hat? Yes. <laughs> and the funny Wearing man the top hat. hat. Yep, exactly. Um, now, I assume that at your camp you were not listening to the boot up T-Pain remix? Ugh, they tried to let me listen to it, and I refused. I was like, if we listening, this is a boot-up-only space. I will accept no remixes. Funny enough, they didn't like the uh, the Nicki Minaj remix, but they liked the T-Pain one. So, hmm. there's still a lot to do to save our youth. Can't win them all up. And are you also doing the level-up challenge? <laughs> They tried to get me to do the Kiki Do You Love Me challenge, so no to both. I don't do challenges. I'm a grown man. What are you talking about? And then interestingly, interestingly enough, Jaquees, who put out a 90s-influenced R&B album, has started a new challenge, Ed, the No Auto-Tune Challenge. What? Yes. The Jaquees we talking about? The dude that sounded like he swallowed a voice... <laughs> Yes. The dude is not like he swallowed an answering machine from 1991. Yes. That's no like having a Jodis player. It's like Jodeci having a no ooh yeah challenge. Like that's not going to happen. Well. When all you do is <laughs> ooh yeah. Well, uh, shout out to Jaquise. I still think that record with Donald Jones is banging. So No, I Jacquees agree. For that. His album wasn't bad at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more records we got to go through. Uh, Tamia, she put out Today I Do, the, uh, a good wedding record, a piano ballad. Um, Tamia's put out some pretty good music. She is on a roll. Now, I don't know if this will land on her new album that's coming in the next month or so, but I really liked it. And the video was great. It was basically just her home movies from marrying um, her boy Grant. But that's, you know, it's one of those things where she has a voice made for wedding songs. Yeah, so instead exactly. of playing Spend My Life With You Forever on the day, y'all can play this one now. Yeah. And that's the thing with Tamia. It's that her voice goes well with pretty much any record that you give her. So it's kind of hard to tell what's good and what's great. This song, personally, I probably won't listen to it a lot, you know, once the album comes out. But it's a good listen. Yeah, I thought it was really good. It's um, yeah. When it comes to kind of modern wedding songs, it might be up there with my girl Kelly Price's He Proposed. Mm. Yep. Um, Sean Stockman, he put out a new record. Um, he signed a Tim Kelly's label. Ed, you listened to the record before you hopped on the podcast. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was you that told me it sounds a little reminiscent of Bobby V, kind of that sound. And I agree. It's more of the up-tempo record, not quite the visions of a sunset type joint that we heard way back in 96, 97, when we were like, man, this dude's going to go solo and take over the world. So it's a much more modern, fresh, fun-sounding record. And I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, the record is called Feel a Little Something. Um, we posted it on the site a couple of days ago. I know the fans have already started reacting to it. Some like it, some don't. But, um, I mean, we'll have to get Sean's input on it when he joins us on the podcast. Um, one more record that I want to talk about, or one more project. Tom was going crazy about this one, and I'm not quite sure why. I'm not sure if uh, he has any connection to this project, but Van Jess? Yes. Now, I I mean, let me find out that Tom is actually managing Van Jess on the low. But yeah, he hit us up and was like, y'all gotta hear this record. Like, it's so great. And it's just weird because I was like, I don't ever think I've heard you mention Van Jess ever. And they've been around a good 10 years or so. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait till Tom comes back to talk about this project because I think he's probably dying to talk about it. Um, he'll be back next week, though. So, um Go check out that project and let us know what you think, guys, because I haven't personally heard it yet. I will once we finish this podcast. Yeah, I haven't heard it yet either. I mean, I'm, I like their music a lot, but it was just a very weird suggestion from Mr. Music Soul Child. <laughs> um, now, Ed, can we? I know you don't like Sierra, but can we give her some props? I guess. She brought back. From the Dead, Fat Man Scoop, and Missy Elliott for the Level Up remix. Wait a Listen, you, you about to get your ankles broke. First of all, Missy ain't gone nowhere. My girl is still doing a thing. Now, Fat Man, I thought somehow got sucked up into the vortex of lost rappers and heightened men circa 2005. But always good to hear Fat Man and Missy. I haven't heard this record that you're talking about. But I love those two. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, it was interesting. You told me you don't like the song Lose Control? No, I'm not really a fan of that. And again, it's, it's kind of a prototypical Missy record. But eh, I don't have a handful of songs from Sierra that has endured my playlist. And that's not one of them. Mm. Well, we'll see. Uh, yeah, actually, I heard the song. Missy's part is actually really dope. I think you'd like it. Well, you know what I like when it comes to Missy. Sierra, uh, I'll just kind of buy my time until Missy's part pops up. All right, all right. Um, can we get into the Play of Please Award? Mm-hmm, and you got a lot of people to pick from after this week. I mean, we talked about R. Kelly already. We talked about Faith and Stevie J, but I have something even better for you, Ed. Okay. Do you like the record, um, I Want to Sex You Up? Calling Me Bad. It was a classic Call back in my day. That was a classic. Did you hear what happened to them most recently? They got into a little fight internally. Oh my god, I didn't just hear about it, I saw it. <laughs> um, so, pretty much what happened. Well, first of all, I found out that one of the members of Color Me Bad, so now it's a duo, but back in the day there were more members, and one of them yes. is actually in the production group The Runners, and they've done mm -hmm. some work in the 2000s, so I thought that was pretty cool as I was reading their Wikipedia, but... What happened most recently, the duo was on stage singing, and I guess one of them was apparently intoxicated. 
uh, allegedly, and midway through the set, he left the stage, and we didn't see him again until the very last song, uh, where he proceeded to push the other member of the group into like speakers and sound equipment out of nowhere. And uh, unfortunately for him, uh, the one that was pushed, he suffered some neck and back injuries. Now, Ed, this sounds all like a WWE storyline. What the heck is going on? Play. First of all, let me retell the story a little bit from the way that Kyle told it. Because he told it in a very like nice courtroom, I'm suing this guy kind of way, and my client did this and this and blah, blah, blah. No, let me tell you what happened. So this big dude, again, we didn't see him leave in the clip I saw. This big dude, like, call me if I had his performance. This dude, I thought he was a bodyguard at first. He comes stomping across the stage, looking like, you know, probably like Big Pun before they were carrying around on a forklift those later sad days. Dude stomps across the stage, power walking, and just walks up to this dude and shoves him down. Like, he did it with the fury, and I said this on my Facebook page. He did it like, you know, when you come home, and you're like, I'm going to eat that leftover Popeye's, and you found out that your cousin ate it, so you just walk up to your cousin and just shove him over the side of a balcony? That's what he did. I was like, did he eat this man's Popeye's? He just walked out of nowhere, stomping, calmly, snotting, and blah, 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 just shoved the dude down and walked away. And then the poor band members are just standing there like, um... We apologize for what happened, y'all. Um, this dude just shoved him over. I was like, what was that about? It's not like he ran out of nowhere and threw hands. He just stomped across the stage, shoved him over, and then walked away. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that was probably the most ridiculous. You know what's funny, Ed? I'm actually going to be... Uh, they're coming to Vancouver in two weeks for uh, for a show. It's the I Love 90s tour. It's like them... Salt and Peppa, all for one, and I think there's one more act on there. I don't know if they're gonna show up to that one. Um, I want you to go just because I want to see who shows up and how many show up. It might at this point, it might just be the dude who apologized, and he'll just do. I want to sex you up by himself. So, poor color me bad. Times is hard when the big member gets pissed off that somebody ate his chicken. But well, anyway, that's my recollection of the story. I'm not saying. That that's really what happened, but in my mind, in my head canon, he was mad about them Popeyes. Dude, it's like I, w- I was telling you earlier. It's like equivalent to like wrestling when you get thrown out of the ring and you've been eliminated, and then like ten minutes later you come back with a steel chair and you just knock him out for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you have a reason. Well, I guess I'm sure there was a reason for this. But from our vantage point, there was no reason. There was just this big dude who just walks on the stage, shoves him over, and walks away. He didn't even, like, beat him up or anything or say anything. He yep. just shoved him and left. So like, he took get... all the energy of his soul just to walk across that long stage. He was like, oh, yep. I'll fuss at him later. So he's getting a play of please, isn't he? Um, He gets all of them. Actually, the whole group gets them. The only one who doesn't get them is the dude that apologizes. He's the only person I felt bad for. I should have felt yeah. bad for the dude that got pushed. But for some reason, I just didn't. I just feel bad for the dude who had to apologize. Because what do you say? Yeah. What do you, like, the journalism in, in you thinks that uh, the dude that got shoved uh, had it coming? Uh, I, I know he didn't do it for no reason. I'm not going to say he had it coming. But maybe he has Popeye crumbs all on his chest. I didn't get a close look. But there's something that went down between big dude and shove dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I'm looking at uh, their Wikipedia page because we like Wikipedia so much. They've had a bunch of no, big singles, like a lot of singles. Yes. Like, See, and singles. again, yes, player. Color Be Mad gets forgotten about today because they're one of those artists, unlike a TLC or something, whose career kind of like lasted throughout the decade. They were probably only hot a couple of years early into 1990. But when they were hot, they were hot. They were huge. They just flamed out pretty quickly. Another one of those New Jack Swing era groups that just like was really big and then just really vanished. We'll be having these same conversations in 10 years about these trap guys. Yep. <laughs> so shout outs to Color Me Bad. Um, at the next Play a Please Award, um, I want to give it to Kelly Rowland. Oh, Lord, what did Kelly do? Well, we both love Kelly, Kelly Rowland, uh, one of the finest. And uh, yep. personally, my, my, fa- my favorite Destiny's Child member. So, if you're not aware, she was dropped by her label um, a couple of years. Eh, it's been a year now, maybe two years since she's been dropped by her label, Sony. Mm-hmm. And she did an interview recently, and she called out Sony and said, How dare you drop me? Um, you guys pretty much just told me I was worthless, even though I made you guys millions with Destiny's Child as well as my solo career. And even though all of this is true, Ed, I'm giving her the play of please because she needs to be able to understand that it's a business and whatever she made back in the day does not uh, take away from the fact that uh, she's not making the money now. So I understand them dropping her and I don't think she needed to tell everyone all that stuff. Yeah, play it just comes off really stank to be like, oh, it makes it almost sound like one of those aging, washed up stars. And I'm not saying Kelly is aging and washed up, but at the fact, listen, she made Sony millions like 15 years ago. Unfortunately, the music business is all the what have you done for me lately industry. And I'm not discrediting the the legacy of Destiny's Child, the solo stuff she's done. Her solo career, honestly, is actually a bit underrated. And it's just kind of like, oh, she's not Beyonce. And oh, she's not Destiny Child. And she's not. But your fave probably ain't either. But as far as a solo career, it was pretty okay. She oh, yeah. definitely had hits. And she's got some decent records behind her name. But that was all years ago. It was her last album, like 2013 or something. So, no, oh, you can't game. keep coasting on. Yep. Can't yep. keep coasting, coasting on that junk from that year, those years. And you haven't put out a thing and going on a decade. So that's ridiculous of her to go on that tirade. And as much as I usually defend the artist over the label, this time I'm kind of in their sense. You can't talk about what you used to do when you haven't been producing in years. Sorry, Kelly. Yeah. And here's my thing. If Sony came back and said, uh, we'd like to sign you for the Destiny's Child reunion, she'll take it. No question about it. You trash the label now, but... When they're coming back with that bag, you're going to take it. So, Clearly, that check makes it always better. And I'm sure the stands are going to eat us up for this one, but I said what I said. Y'all know it. It's true. Kelly was but, wrong. Uh, Sorry. That Talk A Good Game album, now that I think about it, it was actually pretty good from what I remember. I liked it a lot more. If I remember right, I can't yeah. remember if it was you or Tom, but I remember one of y'all being like, eh, but I thought it was pretty good. It was probably Tom, because <laughs> I liked it. It sounds like a Tom thing. Didn't have enough music features on it. Yep. Um, the last play of Please, Ed, I want to give it to Fat Beats. Oh, no. What happened? And you have no idea what's going on right now, do you? 
Absolutely not. So, for all my Aaliyah fans out there who are listening to this podcast, if you type in Fat Beats on iTunes, it's this random, like, DJ, DJ Fat Beats. He has the, uh, so, Ed, as you know, the Aaliyah, mus- Aaliyah album is not up for sale on iTunes and all those streaming platforms, right? Right. So, Fat Beats uploaded the Aaliyah album on iTunes, and you can actually purchase it. All he did was modify the titles a little bit, so Messed Up is called Mess. Uh, those were the days. It's called the days. But if you do a little bit of iTunes searching, you can actually find that album on iTunes. Isn't that like the most illegal thing you've ever heard? That is no one has thrown this guy in jail yet. That is extremely illegal. But that leads to the next question: At what point are they going to start putting Aaliyah's music on iTunes and Spotify? Because I'm willing to bet, Ed, you have you know your your kids. They love. R&B, they love music, but I'm willing to bet some of them don't even know who Aaliyah is. It's, good. it's getting to the point where, yes, they don't. And I know for a lot of the generation of the fans listening to this podcast, they're going to be clutching their pearls and gasping, and I can't believe it. And a part of me wants to be like, hi, now you know how it feels when I talk about someone from the 80s, and you're like, who this? Harpo, who this? Because we're getting to a point where, once again, the generations are turning over, and an artist like Aaliyah has not been able, even though she was huge and revolutionary, her music hasn't been able to penetrate new um, new audiences because it's not there for consumption. Now, I don't say there's been a lot of talk that she's going to fade away forever because her stuff isn't on iTunes. I don't agree with that because you can still buy the album. It's not for free for streaming. But yeah, you can still buy the album. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's not like it's gone forever, forever. But I think that with it not being as prevalent and easy to access, because good lord, if music fans are lazy these days, I do think it'll hurt it a little bit. But if you want to support your favorite artist, you don't do it by making a fake copy of the album and throwing it up there and releasing it under a weird name. Well, am I going to release 12 Play and call it 13 Play? And then say your your booty's calling. Stop. Stop it. Chill out. <laughs> exactly. You're going to get thrown under the jail and I'm going to laugh. Mm-hmm. Actually, Ed, I, re- I read a very interesting um, stat. I don't know if it's actually valid, but apparently of all the 90s artists, Brandy has the, uh, has the highest streaming numbers. Player, I saw that stat and it just sounded like a lie. I'm like, somebody's lying. Because... If you're seeing the same thing I saw, it was this meme that was being shared all over the place. And it's like, yay, Brandon. How do we define of all the 90s artists? Like, there was no qualifier there. Are we talking about 90s R&B artists? Are we talking about 90s artists who debuted in the 90s? How are we defining all the R&B artists? That yeah. seemed like some mess some stands created. And they just looked up Brandy, Monica, Aaliyah, Mona Lisa. Like, no, no, no. You mean to say she's got more streams than, like, a a Brandy or something? I'm not Brandy, um, Mariah or something like that? I don't know about that. Unless it's, like... See, I haven't actually looked at the article yet. I just quickly skimmed through the, uh, the header. But maybe what it's referring to is 90s artists that put out songs from the 90s. Because... The Boy Is Mine, that's a massive song. Have You Ever is a massive song. 
and then some right. of the records from saying... her. If then then that would make sense to me because like I'm trying to think like Usher was huge, but his bigger hits came in the 2000s. So no, that's true. Uh, when I did, I remember a couple of years ago, I did this breakdown of like the best male artists of the 90s and the best of the 2000s. And people were whining, why don't you have Usher in the 90s? Because Usher wasn't as big in the 90s as he was in the 2000s. But going back to branding, my point is the article, the meme I saw was quote unquote out of all the 90s artists. And that doesn't mean anything to me. If it's like she is the highest streaming artist of people who release music who debuted in 1994 or the highest streams of albums that came out in the year 98 or something. You got to have some kind of qualifier there. I know what you're talking about because that looks like Brandon Norwood has more streams on her music than anyone who released music in 1990 to 1999. And the devil is a pure lie. I refuse to believe that. So I have to go back and do my research since y'all won't. Mm hmm. Now, can we get into the soul backtrack of the day, Ed? I have one. How about Trying Times? Man, I forgot about that one. That's a great record. Man, you talking about digging it back up. Yep, well, we had to. I know that's a record that a lot of people love. Ed, I'm still... You remember we had that conversation where I thought two... You know, that album wasn't a classic classic? And I about bit your head off, Yes. Yeah, I still, don't think it, I still don't think it's a classic classic. Play, go back. <laughs> go and drink your warm milk because clearly you're still in diapers and you don't understand how huge that two album is. Trying Times is one of those kind of hidden gems from that album and it deserves the love it gets. That album may not get all the hype. That we talked earlier about albums that don't quite get hype today that it did back in its day. And as much as people love Jodeci and talk about how revolutionary they were, and they were, I put that album up against any of their stuff. I think it's one of the best albums, if not the best album, R&B album of the 90s. It's up there for sure. Hmm. I still need to do that list ranking all the 90s R&B albums. If it ain't number one, it's close to it. Yep. Well, I'll leave you to that, but what else is going on with SoInStereo.com? Well, as we talked about a little bit earlier, your boy's been off the grid. I was out doing the mentor thing for most of the week, so I don't have a whole lot going on currently. But I got some new surprises coming. If you miss our review of the Internet's album, Live Mind, you can go check that out. I also, in the next week, have a piece coming. I'm not sure when it'll be up. But I, after a discussion in the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook, I decided to go back and rank the entire discography of our girl Monica. So look for that. See what I think is her best album. See what I think is her worst album. And I will put in this caveat and surprise. What I think is her worst album probably isn't what you think. And the album that you do probably think is the worst, I actually think it's pretty good. So it'll be one of those lists that's a little bit surprising and a little bit controversial. Wait. I'm going to guess that your least favorite Monica album is the one with like that brownish background. I'm, that that the oh, that title is slipping my mind right now. Uh, the what's brownish on that album? background? I think it's like a brownish back. What was the album before the most recent one? New Life? Yeah. The one with the song with her and Brandy? Yeah. That's your least favorite. You have to look and see. Oh, all right, all right. Um, 
in terms of, you know, I got... So I was actually supposed to interview Genuine this weekend, uh, just like I was supposed to two months ago. And uh, I kind of want to <laughs> give him the... Pl- I kind of want to give him the play of please, but I'm not going to because it's not his fault. So let me detail what happened. I went to the venue, which was actually just like a nightclub, and I didn't know what I was doing there. But he got on stage, and he started performing... And actually, let me backtrack on that. The uh, hours before that, I was texting his manager, who I'm really cool with, and uh, I was I was texting him, I was emailing him, and I was getting no response. Surely enough, Genuine goes on stage, performs, and I see his manager standing right there. And you can only imagine how I felt at that point. So, Genuine oh. goes on stage, performs his songs, and at one one point, he started trying to do like a acapella, acapella medley of his debut. So he did a. Uh, when Doves Cry, he did I'll Do Anything. Mm-hmm. Great record, by the way. And uh, then he started to sing Holla. Do you remember that song, Ed? I do. I don't like that song, but okay. Yeah, he got like four seconds of it, and then he forgot the rest of the song, so he just skipped on it. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> but um, after that, he had like a VIP meet and greet thing going on where he was taking pictures with fans, and there was this huge line forming. And I wanted no part of it because I have like eight pictures with Genuine at this point. But I stood outside of the line just to the side and his manager saw me, flagged me down and told me to cut to the front. So I got a picture with Genuine and it turns out, I know this is a long story, but it turns out that his manager changed his number and email. So that's why he wasn't responding. So he gave me the right contact. So we will get an interview with Genuine the next time he is back in Vancouver, which apparently is in like four months. So that's fun times. Okay. Well, so see, no I can't play- be too mad about that. No, no player please for Genuine. Yeah, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt one more time. Now, you mess up again. Sorry, G. Yep. You'll be saying, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, great record. Shout out to Missy for penning that one. Um, Aside from that, that seems to be it for this week's podcast, Ed. Yeah, it looks like it. Man, these things go a lot breezier when you know who isn't here gumming up the works. Calm down. We don't want to lose him and have to bring Barry Bars on permanently. (laughs) One of these days, we just need to bring Barry on because they're probably new listeners who are like, who is this Barry guy that they're always talking about? We'll have to bring him back soon. We have to do this one time for Barry. Barry, we love you. (laughs) (laughs) Do it in honor of Tom since he couldn't be here. Yes, we actually do love Barry. We will get him back on the podcast. We're just kidding with you, Barry, if you're listening. But um, no, Barry's my dude. No, you just need to chill with the Tory Lanes and the song. It was, oh my god, some of his, some of his faves drive me nuts. That's that VA blood. I'm sorry. Excuse me. That, I'm just saying. But uh, that seems to be it for this week's podcast. Uh, we'll be back soon to talk more R and B. But until then, Ed, I admit it. I ate beef. Um, are you going to admit anything before we get out of here? I admit I have beef with you. That is about oh. the only thing I admit. All right, well, I'm I'll save the rest for the 20-minute track. I'm going to go listen to that 12-play album now. So, Kyle, Ed, <laughs> signing out. Peace. All right.